This is the Listening Lawyers podcast presented by Solutions Law Firm. We believe that all people deserve equal access to our justice system, as well as zealous, compassionate advocacy from a knowledgeable attorney, regardless of the background or previous experiences of our clients. We focus on the integral well-being of the individual, family, and community as a whole by truly listening to each client and developing an individualized plan of advocacy specific to his or her situation and concerns. Through this process, we strive to strengthen our community and offer hope to people in trying situations. As Solutions Law Firm, we believe in compassion, collaboration, and equal access to exceptional legal services. Hello and welcome to The Listening Lawyers. I am Trisha and I'm here with Dawn. Today we are going to be talking about immigration options for people who have been the victims of violence. Between the various laws, there are four types of immigration statuses which are related to violence and trafficking, T, U, VAWA, and Special Immigrant Juvenile. This episode will deal with all but special immigrant juvenile status. So let's start with T-visas. Dawn, who qualifies for a T-visa? Yes. So anyone who has been the victim of a severe form of trafficking would qualify to apply for a T-visa. And while that sounds simple, there's a lot of analysis involved in determining if a client's experience qualifies under federal law as a severe form of trafficking. Luckily, the law has spelled it out pretty clearly for us. There are two forms of trafficking that the federal government has labeled as severe sex trafficking, and labor trafficking. And the law actually defines each of those forms of trafficking for us really well. So the law defines sex trafficking as when someone recruits, harbors, transports, provides, solicits, patronizes, or obtains a person for the purpose of a commercial sex act, where the commercial sex act is induced by force, fraud, or coercion, or the person being induced to perform such act is under 18 years of age. It's a mouthful. I know but there's a lot of information in there. Um, labor trafficking is defined as when someone recruits, harbors, transports, provides, or obtains a person for labor or services through the use of force, fraud, or coercion for the purpose of involuntary servitude, peonage, debt bondage, or slavery. Once again, a whole ton of words. Um, and it can be hard to figure out exactly what that means. And based on those definitions, at first glance, it probably seems like very few people would actually be the victims of this extreme form of trafficking, right? All those big words make us think of those like huge, crazy stories you see in the news of like obvious trafficking situations. However, in my experience, many people are victims of severe human trafficking without even realizing it. So I'm going to give you some examples that would fall under these definitions that seem more real life. Some of those examples, a commercial sex worker, a sex act is not necessarily prostitution. So if a sex act is requested in exchange for a raise at work or extra vacation days or for some other financial benefit, maybe the trafficker is a family member or a spouse who says that he or she will kick out the victim if they do not perform a sex act. Housing is an economic benefit. So that would be a commercial sex act, a sex act performed in exchange for some form of economic benefit. With labor trafficking, that same thought process applies. So let's say you have a boss who consistently shorts his employees' paychecks and then threatens to call ICE if they report him or quit their jobs. That could also qualify as labor trafficking. Obviously, each case has its own specific information and no two experiences are identical. So it's really important to talk with an experienced immigration attorney if you or someone you know may have experienced one of these forms of severe human trafficking. What are the benefits of applying for a T-Visa? A T-Visa is a temporary immigration benefit that allows the victim to live and work lawfully in the United States for up to four years. 
In addition, the principal applicant or the person who experienced the trafficking can also include his or her immediate family as derivatives of that application. And that allows for the spouse and children to also live and work in the U.S. legally during those four years. Now, the really exciting thing is that those who obtain a T visa are eligible to apply for a lawful permanent residence once they've had that visa for three years or when the investigation or prosecution of the trafficking crime is completed, whichever happens earlier. So what that means is that the investigation ends after only one year with the T visa, the victim is immediately eligible to apply for permanent residence without having to wait the entire three to four years. Oh, wow. Okay, so let's say someone qualifies. How would they go about applying? So the first step, in my opinion, would be to consult with a knowledgeable immigration attorney. These cases can be (laughs) super complex. Like, really, you saw all those words, right, in those definitions. There's a lot of analysis that goes into this. And so talk to an attorney. Um, It's really important to have someone at your side who knows what he or she is doing. But after you've done that, the basic process is a three-step process. So first you would report the trafficking to the appropriate law enforcement or government agency. You know, if you're being sex trafficked, you're gonna report to somebody very different than if you're being labor trafficked. Um, And there are a lot, there's analysis that goes into that as well. And your attorney will be able to help you figure out which agency is the appropriate one to report to. Now, once you've reported the trafficking, you're going to complete and file a T visa application with all of the necessary supporting evidence. So you're going to have as much evidence as you have of the actual trafficking. You're going to provide evidence that you have um, cooperated with law enforcement, that you reported and that you're in communication with them and that whatever they've asked you to do, you have reasonably complied. Um, And that's reasonably right. We're not expecting anyone to do something that's completely unreasonable. We're not saying that you have to go undercover into a big drug bust if they ask you to. We're saying reasonably. And so that's another thing to discuss with your attorney. If you feel like if you're in the process of a visa application and you feel like you're being asked to do things that are unreasonable, that's a good thing to discuss with an attorney. And you're going to submit all of that evidence along with your application to USCIS. And then the third step in the process is waiting. You're going to wait <laughs> for a response and you're going to wait and wait and wait. <laughs> now, <laughs> for visas, there's an annual cap as to how many that they can give out per year. And that was set by Congress. And that cap is currently at 5,000 visas per year. As with most visas that have a cap, there's a waiting period for approved applications to actually receive a visa because more applications are submitted each year than visas are given. And so even if you're found to qualify, you've got to wait until one of those 5,000 visas becomes available to you. So there are only 5,000 visas available. What happens to the people who apply but don't get visas? Yeah. So those people who are approvable, like their application qualifies, they've sent in the evidence, they're absolutely approvable, but there's not a visa available because the 5,000 are gone for that year. Those people are placed on a wait list until there's a visa available. And so this wait list does not provide any immediate status or work authorization, but it does give priority to people with approvable applications in the following cap year. So let's say that I apply and am found approvable this year in 2021, but all the visas are gone and I'm waitlisted. I'm now higher on the list for visas in 2022, right? When we run the next cap. So that way it's really a first come first serve situation right there. Now, the good news is that if a person has been waitlisted, there may be some other temporary forms of relief that they can apply for as they wait. 
Um, and so they could potentially get deferred action, parole, or a stay of removal. And we're not going to go deeply into what each of those three things are. But basically, there are three different types of promises from the government that they won't be deported as long as they behave themselves, they don't commit crimes, they're good people. And which thing, which form of relief you apply for would depend on your current immigration situation and history and circumstances. And so that's really like a whole other podcast, <laughs> but there may be something that could provide work authorization or protection from deportation or both while you're waitlisted. So that's another okay. time when it'd be a really good idea to talk to an attorney. Okay. So that's a lot of process. How long does it take to get the status? Yeah, it's a lot of process. So as of today, February 10th, 2021, the USCIS website is listing 19 to 29 months as the processing time for a T visa application. That's the wow. processing time. That's the time from applying to being approved, right? It's a long time. They do not provide specific information regarding the wait time for the wait list or how many applications are currently waitlisted. And so that's a little harder to judge and it really fluctuates. Both the processing time and the waitlist time fluctuate depending on how many new applications are filed at any given time, the number of employees USCIS decides to dedicate to processing T visa applications, and then the priorities determined by the administration and which things they really want to get processed and sent out as quickly as possible. So it's really impossible to estimate exactly how much time it would take to obtain a T visa, a T visa from the time that you send in your application. But I would advise to plan for over two years, like it's going to take about two years to process the application. And then depending what the wait list is looking like and the visa cap at the time that you're approved, you know, could be months to years more. It's really kind of impossible to determine years in the future, how far back the list will go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's extensive. <laughs> yeah. So now we know what happens to victims of trafficking. Um, Trisha, do you want to talk about what happens to people who are victims of other types of crimes? Sure. So U visas are for people who have suffered substantial physical or mental abuse as a result of having been a victim of a qualifying criminal activity. They have information regarding that criminal activity and they have been, are being, or are likely to be helpful in the investigation or prosecution of the criminal activity and the activity happening in the United States. So let's break this down. First and foremost, there are certain types of crimes which qualify. It doesn't necessarily have to be these specific crimes, but it has to be similar to these activities. Some of the crimes include abduction, blackmail, domestic violence, extortion, felonious assault, female genital mutilation, kidnapping, murder, prostitution, rape, sexual assault, sexual exploitation, stalking, and torture. Next, the person has to be a victim of the criminal activity. You can't just be a witness on the side of a road to a kidnapping who is perfectly fine and can go about your day. No, you have to be the person kidnapped or be a witness who has a heart attack, for example. <laughs> Makes sense. You have to be a victim. There is an option to be an indirect victim, such as a family member of a person who is murdered. Since what we're looking for is someone who has a direct and proximate harm caused to them. Gotcha. That makes sense. So if you think you qualify for a U visa, how do you apply? First, talk to an immigration attorney. That is the most important thing. Lots of crimes are out there and they may or may not qualify. Each state writes their own laws and has their own elements which constitute a crime. 
which may or may not match the federal definition of those crimes. So it's very important to do a legal analysis and make sure that the crime will actually count for a U visa. If the attorney determines that it does count, then what you do is you submit a form I-918 to USCIS along for a waiver of inadmissibility, if you have any, which is also a good thing to talk to an attorney about, which is called the form I-192. The U visa form includes a signed statement describing what happened to make the person a victim, evidence of the abuse or mental abuse, if there is any, such as photos, for instance, and a document from a certifying agency saying that the person has been, is being, or will likely be helpful to the certifying agency. Okay, what's a certifying agency? A certifying agency can be either a law enforcement agency, such as the police, a judge, or other authority involved in the investigation or prosecution of the criminal activity. Okay, that makes sense. So how long does it take to get status then? Years. I've seen attorneys talking about cases filed in 2015 that are finally, in 2021, getting visas. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. The problem is that there are, just like T visas, a limit on how many that could be given out each year. There are only 10,000 U visas available. And just like with T visas, you have to wait until they are available in order to get one. So you get put on a wait list. Yikes. So what are the benefits of applying for a U visa? A U visa is really great because it allows people who have been here unlawfully or even lawfully to stay in the United States and work for up to four years. A spouse and children can also get what is called derivative status too, and they will be allowed to stay and work in the United States. The best benefit though, is the ability to apply for a green card and become a permanent resident. This is an additional process, which requires showing additional elements, but it's well worth the effort. Now, I know that U-Visa can help victims of domestic violence, but as I mentioned, there's a really, really long wait. That's where VAWA can really make a difference, right, Dawn? Yes, VAWAs are my favorite. Um, And before we dive into those, I want to be perfectly clear. Even though VAWA stands for Violence Against Women Act, you do not have to be a woman to qualify. In fact, the majority of my current VAWA clients are men. So guys, don't count yourselves out due to your gender. Basically, anyone who has been the victim of domestic abuse by their U.S. citizen or lawful permanent resident spouse, parent, or child over 21 years old qualifies to apply for VAWA relief. And as we all know, abuse comes in many shapes and sizes. There's no requirement that there be physical abuse to qualify for VAWA. The abuse can be financial, psychological, emotional, verbal, sexual, and the list goes on. The VAWA process also does not require that the abuser ever, that the abuse ever be reported to law enforcement, and there are no repercussions to the abuser. So that may seem counterintuitive at first glance, that we don't require reporting and that there is no punishment for the abuser, but there are many situations where reporting an abuser might lead to even more dangerous situations for the victim while they're waiting for an immigration application to process or where the victim doesn't want to jeopardize the abuser. We often see this in cases where the parent is the victim of emotional or verbal abuse by a 21-year-old child. They don't really want their child to be prosecuted or go to jail, but they do want to have freedom from their child to live a more healthy life. And so it really does make sense if you spend time thinking about it. And also there is no, I'm gonna say it again, no annual cap to VAWA approvals, none whatsoever. So each application is processed when it's received, and as soon as it is approved, the wait is over. There's no wait list. Current processing times for VAWA applications, according to the USCIS website, are 18 to 24 months. 
oh my goodness, that is quite a quick process compared to the other two. Absolutely. So what benefits does VAWA offer? Yes. Again, something that might seem a bit counterintuitive is that the VAWA benefits depend in large part on the immigration status of the abuser and not the victim. If the abusing family member is a U.S. citizen, then the VAWA victim can apply for lawful permanent residence at the same time that he or she files the actual VAWA application. So this means that the whole thing is processed as a package deal. And when the VAWA application is approved, so is the lawful permanent residence. So you become a resident right away. There's no separate action there. Under those circumstances, the victim becomes a permanent resident immediately upon approval. Another benefit to having a U.S. citizen abuser rather than a permanent resident abuser, if you can call having abuser at all a benefit, um, is that the applicant can apply for work authorization at the same time as the VAWA application and the permanent residence application. And so that means that while the application is processing, the victim will be given permission to work lawfully in the U.S. It does take about three to six months for the work authorization card to come. But then the victim can begin to legally support him or herself work all on their own lawfully for the duration of the processing time that, you know, we're looking at a year and a half to two years. So three to six months to wait for work authorization is not that big of a deal. Wow, that's really quick. Yeah. Now, if the abuser is not a U.S. citizen, but is a lawful permanent resident, then the victim cannot apply for work authorization and permanent residence at the same time. So in this scenario, the victim would file just the VAWA application. And then once the VAWA application is approved in those 18 to 24 months, the victim could then apply for work authorization based on that approval. And depending on their their circumstances, whether or not they're able to adjust to permanent resident status, they would be able to submit that application at that time as well. Okay. So is the process to apply similar to the other two? Yeah, the basic process is very similar. Um, It's all about filing forms and and evidence, right? (laughs) But the biggest difference is really that there's no reporting requirement. You don't have to report to law enforcement. You don't have to cooperate with law enforcement. You don't have to disclose that underlying abuse to anyone other than USCIS. Otherwise, it's the same process, filing forms, providing evidence, and waiting much longer than you would like to to get a response, (laughs) but much less time than a U or a T visa. Um, Again, VAWA is a really great option for those who have been victimized by their U.S. citizen or permanent resident family members. That's wonderful. Well, this has been really informative, Dawn. Thanks for going through these with me. I would suggest that anyone who has been a victim of any sort of violence, domestic violence, trafficking, please consult with an immigration attorney and see if any of these options are available for you. You may be able to help yourself get out of a bad situation and move on. Yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. We will talk to you next week.